1: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See
3: terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: now from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong. And that's fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey
0: baby. Things are getting weird. and They're getting weird fast.
4: Armstrong
0: and Getty. But
4: I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down
2: just a little bit. And now he. Strong and Getty. Discussed earlier, uh, Wall Street Journal, with a fabulous and troubling editorial. Uh, American children, young Americans are dying at alarming rates, reversing years of progress. The numbers are horrifying. Horrifying. And we're focused on... Right, these two numbskulls. I
5: think but Harry, did. I think Harry and Megan have the opportunity, or maybe have already passed what I thought was the most annoying couple of all time, J Lo and A Rod. Oh, when yeah. they were together,
2: I think so. Yeah, and that's that's a tough title to win. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a bold statement, but I think you're right. So, uh if you, my friends, have had to, and I know a lot of you have, sit through the insulting. Racist, illogical, cruel, idiotic DEI training in recent years. Take heart. There might be a little progress on that front. Maybe. This is from the New York Times, which, uh, to their credit, uh, published a piece. When was this? Uh, In January of this year. We talked about it. What if diversity training is doing more harm than good? They go into a bunch of studies. Well, first they point out that $3.4 billion was spent on this training in 2020 alone. Wow. It's a multi-billion dollar business marching in and giving your your employees or you a stern lecture on how white people are evil and always evil and always will be evil unless you get on your knees and genuflect to our radical theories.
5: Right. So completely unnecessary, too. I mean, it's not only annoying and time wasting and everything. It's just, it's just unnecessary. It doesn't need to exist.
2: Well, yeah, and they mention in these studies that it does more harm than good. It it causes uh, feelings of unhappiness and racial resentment and the rest of it to rise.
5: I don't doubt that. I I, I walk out of any of those kind of trainings angry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There, uh, The New York Times with a different article, why some committees are saying diversity and belonging instead of diversity and inclusion. You know, the, the names, the words don't matter because they'll change them next week anyway. That's part of the thing. They can't change it constantly, you have to adopt the changes constantly, or that makes you a racist and a bad person, so you're always on your heels, and you never say, I don't believe this stuff, I think it's bunk. It's it's just, it's rules for radicals. It goes way back. Uh, the Communist Party did it constantly. What's the party line? That's where that term comes from. Anyway, so this article starts with the description of a really old-school aerospace company, where uh, you know, people had to wear bow ties to work until the 1990s. <laughs> and so the CEO, oh, uh, I guess he's the, uh, the HR officer, chief HR officer said, you know, we probably ought to like get into the modern era a little bit around here. And he, he did some searching and he came across a black comedian and former media personality named Kareth Foster. She's the CEO of Inver- Inversity Solutions a consultancy that rethinks traditional diversity programming. And Ms. Foster said companies must address racism, sexism, homophobia, anti-Semitism in the workplace, but she believes that an overemphasis on identity groups and a tendency to reduce people to victim or villain can strip agency away from and alienate everyone, including employees of color. This is a woman who's got a bit of wisdom, and I salute her. She says her approach allows everyone, quote, to make mistakes, to say the wrong things sometimes and be able to correct it. And they go into a description of her, her, her opening seminar for the companies. Shortly after taking the stage, she asked everyone to close your eyes and raise their hands in response to a series of provocative questions. Had they ever locked the car when a black man walked by? Had they thought, yes, Jewish people are especially good with money? Had they questioned the intelligence of someone with a thick southern accent. What was that second one? Jewish people really are good with money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Questioning the intelligence of somebody with a, a southern accent. People raised their hands tentatively, even fearfully. But by the time Ms. Foster finished the list, nearly every hand in the room, including her own, was up. And she said, congratulations, you're certified human beings. It's not about being right or wrong, but understanding when bias comes into play. And just being aware of it. So it is definitely not the Robin D'Angelo, white people are evil, uh white fragility, DEI, Black Lives Matter stuff. It's look, we all come to life with certain attitudes. Just be aware of them and understand. If a Southern guy walks in, he's an engineer and he's from Mississippi. You can't think this guy's an idiot. Just be aware of bias when it creeps in. It's it's much more. Just even-handed and reasonable. Yeah, it's, a, do we need, it's a psychology class. Do we need this? Though? Oh, yeah,
5: a psychology class. That's what I was thinking. This is kind of an interesting thing to have in college. Do you need that in your sea of insurance agents who are sitting in cubicles typing in orders
2: to function? Uh, well, uh, that depends on your point of view. If, um, if, 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 if I was she, a black man with a southern accent, I might answer that question differently than I would. And I'm, I'm ready to concede that.
5: But don't you think uh, d- 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 Jim over there in that cubicle will quickly figure out, oh, he's not dumb. I, I might have thought he was dumb because he had a southern accent, but he's not now that I know him.
2: Well, if I mean, he doesn't, Jim's an idiot and you ought to fire him. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Why don't you straighten up, Jim? Uh, but then they go into some credits where it's about making white people comfortable rather than addressing systemic inequality. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, nice. Uh, the belonging obsession. I'm, I'm skipping large swaths of this article, but um, it's all about belonging. The belonging obsession is the result of a now widespread corporate standard. Jack, I know you love this. Bring your whole self to work. If you have the flexibility to work wherever you want and the freedom to discuss the social and political issues that matter to you, then ideally you'll feel that you belong at your company. Bring your whole self to work. Wow. All of your attitudes and beliefs and... and Talk about them constantly and openly. What was
5: that sentence there about the political issues? That's something.
2: Uh, the freedom to discuss the social and political issues that matter to you. Who
5: wants their coworker, who they're already kind of annoyed with, to bring their social and political issues to work and Nobody talk about a- wants that. <laughs> Nobody
2: Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody except maybe the snowflakiest members of of uh, Gen Z. It's an idiotic idea. That's exactly the opposite of what you ought to do. Right? Go and do your damn job. The rest of you is for your friends. Maybe your relatives who are rolling their eyes the minute you turn your back. Well, I have a
5: feeling the crowd that wants it is uh, is picturing having... Uh, enjoyable conversations with people they agree with as opposed to running.
2: Exclusively <laughs> people they agree with. <laughs>
5: Instead of running into somebody who has completely different opinions.
2: Yeah, if somebody says, you know, I, I disagree. And it was interesting. I witnessed, I overheard quite an animated discussion in the office here um the other day. I, I'm going to be vague about it. I don't want anybody calling me and asking me for the particulars. If you do, I'll say, I can't remember. Um, made it up.
5: Everything we say on the air is fiction. Every Always remember Single
2: that. thing. In fact, we're AI generated, the two of us. Um, anyway, it was quite the animated discussion about drag shows for children. And it got personal and heated. Anyway. Really? Um, really? Here? Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? <laughs> <laughs> it was Mo and Larry in accounting. Do you know who it was, Michael? No. No, mm. and it wasn't me. Think about it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I have some guesses. <laughs> They're probably correct. Um where, where where was I going with that? Oh, the idiotic idea of bringing your your quote-unquote whole self to work. Yeah, I mean, if you're t- going on and on about how wonderful you think trans acceptance is, and I say to mutilate the bodies of adolescents or feed them hormones because of a momentary confusion during puberty is cruel and it's child abuse. Alright, I'm bringing my whole self to work. Are you gonna say, hey, Joe, I really appreciate you sharing what's in your heart? No, you're gonna effing explode. Right. And you're gonna run weeping to HR saying there's a hater and a transphobe in the office. You lying punks. God, that is the craziest idea ever. I know. I know. That, how could, how could you possibly think that would work? Jonathan Haidt, social uh, uh, psychologist, professor at NYU, and one of my heroes, wishes we weren't having this conversation about identity and belonging. Quote, at a time of rising political polarization, many people's whole selves don't fit with the whole selves of their colleagues. No way. I've heard it from so many managers. They can't stand it anymore. The constant conflict over identities.
5: Wow. So whoever came up with this idea, do they actually just feel like everybody agrees? Or the people that don't agree will keep quiet because they're on the wrong side of history.
2: Well, exactly. And and that's the hubris of the A, stupid, and B, intellectually belligerent and rigid. The idea that, well, my ideas are the right ones. And so those ideas can be shared openly. People who disagree with me, they have the wrong ideas. So I don't understand what you're saying. You think they should be able to share those too? But they're wrong. I mean, can you imagine being that intellectually stunted? No. It's got to be scary. But I know some people with degrees who believe that. Yeah, well, wisdom and intelligence are two different things. I like this. Um, it's a quote from a Muslim fella who says, uh, a lot of this stuff is almost an offensive focus on group labels. It all but compels people to stero- stereotype each other. I happen to be Muslim and a faithful Muslim, but that doesn't mean I interpret Islam like every other Muslim out there. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry, it was a, a gal. She believes that people now use belonging as a tacit acknowledgement that uh, blah, blah, blah. Quit with the identity stuff.
6: Armstrong and
3: Blender. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Jack
4: Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: During the uh, commercial break, I need to finish a text to my daughter. We had a conversation last night that didn't quite go the way I'd hoped it would for various reasons. But uh, she called uh, in in a bit of a state because she, who is uh, headed for law school, allegedly, just found out what her number one school of choice would cost with, like, room and board if she stays in grad student housing and that sort of thing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And it is... $77,000 per year. That's reasonable. The idea, well, and if she lived off campus and and it would be in the, I think, low 50s, something like that. The idea that it costs a law school
4: $50,000
2: plus per student to impart knowledge that is generally available. Now, if you have a skilled teacher, they can help uh, a student absorb it more thoroughly. Uh, you know, we know what learning is. I don't have to explain learning to you. What's learning? But the idea that it's anywhere near, that it's even a, f- a significant fraction of that amount is obscene. It's idiotic. It's unjustifiable. It's a scam. It's un believable Yeah, it really is. Well it's be it's because
5: of uh like I have a certain garment I'm wearing a day today that is more expensive because of the name on it. That's the only reason it's more expensive is because of the name on it. There are other garments that are That's just your as your Louis good.
2: Vuitton jock of course.
5: There are other garments that are just as good, but they don't have the same name on it. So it's right. just an image thing. That's what a lot of this is, right? If you, if you, if you get to certain rankings and so it carries a certain amount of clout and too many people, particularly the elite class of America has bought into this. It's the same thing. Oh, you're wearing a degree that has that name on it. Ooh,
2: nice. Right. Exactly. And, and one of the most important things you're going to learn in life and a lot of you already know this uh, is what a nonprofit or a not for profit means, like a, a university, a major university. Uh, it, Jack and I could form a nonprofit. We would solicit donations, get a ton of them, and then we would pay each other half-million-dollar-a-year salaries. We
5: did, for, a but many, we would make no profit. For many of the beginning years of our radio career, we did form a non-profit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I am freaking believe What a scam. So, uh Joelle Mertzel is a 49-year-old small business owner, author, and mother of three. She is on a mission, a jihad. Jihadism. <laughs> yes, Mitt Romney. What did you say? It's this century's nightmare, jihadism. There you go. Wow. Thanks, Mitt. Uh, her jihad is to convince American households and federal officials that it is safe and preferable to keep butter at room temperature instead of refrigerated. I agree. Well, I agree a hundred percent. I agree. Says the Wall Street Journal, or her that word again is journal, her Quixote crusade would liberate butter sticks from a lifetime in the cold. Moving from refrigerated trucks to a chilled dairy case of grocery stores to built-in refrigerator cubbies. Enough is enough, says Miss Mertzel.
5: God, I hate hard butter. Nothing makes me more angry than you have some delicious
2: bread, and the butter is like a rock, especially at a nice restaurant. Oh, I'll overturn the table and walk out. I freaking despise that, too. Well, the waiter Enough. better guard his eyes because he's going to get a fork. <laughs> ah! Oh, wow. Wow. Wow.
5: Bring me some soft butter. I do know this, though. While I agree with the whole idea of, uh, I don't know who introduced me to the idea of having the butter stick in a little platter with a little lid on it. The little whatever yeah. you call those things. And you leave it out to so the butter, butter dish. Butter dish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do know personally a guy, really nice guy I like him who was dating a uh, very attractive girl I know also, but I know that she broke up with him because he had his butter stick just sitting out on the counter. Oh, Like, not no, in a cover. tray, or wasn't covered or on a tray. It was just sitting on the counter. Like, uh, on the wax paper it comes in, or just naked? No, just just naked on the counter. Like, physically wow, on the linoleum or marble or whatever the hell it is. That's a deal breaker. Yeah, well, it was for her. It yeah, was I don't for blame her. her.
2: That's, That's a sign. That's end. the tip of the iceberg of weirdness. <laughs>
5: That's why the relationship ended.
2: <laughs> so there's more to this. I got to get to you. Uh, uh, duh, duh, duh. Enough is enough," said Mrs. Mertzel, who lives in Northridge, uh, part of Los Angeles. I want to eliminate confusion about putting butter on the counter. She said she came to her epiphany one morning about 14 years ago. She'd forgotten to put away the butter the night before, and at breakfast discovered how easy it was to spread. Oh, it's awesome. "Quote: My life changed in so many ways that moment," she said. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> she has since written a children's book, Change Your Life for the Butter. Oh, boy. And developed God. a line of countertop holders with flip top lids that to keep clear of the softened butter inside. Change your life for the butter? My life changed in so many ways at that moment, she said. <laughs>
5: Man, you got some good fresh bread and some butter that you can actually spread on it? Doesn't get much better than that.
2: Can that bread be hot right out of the oven? That's funny though, every time I have or bread. Toaster.
5: Every time I have bread now, I think about the doctor warned us about bread the last time my kids had their physical. Stay away from bread, don't eat too much. I'd never had I mean I'm aware of it, but I'd never had the doctor specifically say bread as <laughs> like the weed yeah. thing to watch out for.
2: Well I had bread this morning, I feel great. And I look great, frankly. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: The Armstrong
5: and Getty Show. Hey, this is the Armstrong and Getty Show. I got a quick question for you. What if you happen to miss part of the show of this unbelievable radio program?
2: The answer is easy, friends. Just download our podcast, Armstrong and Getty on Demand. It's the podcast version of the broadcast show available anytime, any day, every single podcast platform known to man.
5: Download it now, Armstrong and Getty on Demand.
2: Another show
5: that apparently is popular. Uh, that I have not seen is called Old Enough. You've actually seen this on Netflix, Michael? Yes, it's adorable. Is yeah, it? adorable is the way it's described. I'm glad you said that. Um, it's a show in Japan, and it's been a, a hit reality show in Japan for decades. Really? Yeah. We don't. I don't think we do. We have any shows outside of like 60 minutes that have been around for decades? The anyway, Simpsons. The show is called Old Enough. That's right. The Simpsons have. Um, the show's called Old Enough, and it's now on Netflix, and uh, Michael said he likes it, and I might check it out. It depicts Japanese little kids, some as young as two, taking their first solo journeys. The, um, the show's a, a, a title in Japan is translated as My First Errand. Hmm. It's sending your kids out on their first errand, as young as two. These tiny children are shown toddling by themselves to the grocery store or their grandmother's house to pick something up or to a local farm to yank an enormous cabbage out of the ground. Well, Yanking an enormous <laughs> cabbage would be entertaining. Bunch of cabbage yankers. <laughs> Sometimes they get distracted from their appointed mission and start playing. Sometimes they interact with, uh, with uh, people on the street, and it's, well, like Michael said, adorable. But... Um, as uh, it was written in the New York Times over the weekend, talking about this show, you're probably uh, thinking this would not happen in the United States of America. And they talked to the author of Parenting Without Borders: Surprising Lessons Parents Around the World Can Teach Us, who'd lived in Japan and seen the way they treat kids in Japan, and also just traveling around and seeing other. Uh, kids in other countries. Though I knew American parents were more protective than some parents in other countries, I was surprised at the extent of the protectiveness. According to a 2012 analysis of a survey conducted by the CDC, the mean age at which American adults believe a child could be left at home alone was 13. Wow. Bathe alone was seven. Wow. You don't leave a kid alone in a bathtub until after seven? I understand. Wow. And uh, to bike alone was around 10
2: on average. What, uh, wow. Wow. That's interesting. You know, not to play the old man card, but I specifically remember biking to a uh, baseball practice at, at well, uh, earlier than that. And heck, biking all over the place when I was a uh, man, we left the apartment complex. I'm I'm remembering when I was in second grade. And my friends and I biked all over the place. I remember
5: wandering around by myself when I was, uh, I would have been when we lived there in first grade, kindergarten or first grade, so five or six. Um, And I don't think anybody thought, like, my parents were doing something insane. (laughs) No, not at all. It's not just a pain, just... um, it's not just Japan, it says in the New York Times, and much of the rest of the world, kids are allowed to do more solo at earlier ages than in the United States. I quote this guy who wrote a book about traveling the world with his 9- and 11-year-olds. He said, our experience in most of the places we lived in the course of a year traveling the world, children, especially middle-grade children, were given enormous amounts of freedom that were totally incomprehensible to the average American. In the Netherlands, for instance... They said their kids rode bikes to school by themselves at ages that would never happen in the United States. Uh, You said last hour you think this is a
2: a giant threat to our society. Why? Oh, I do believe so. Absolutely. Because we're raising a generation of people who uh, who do not develop the the problem-solving skills and the confidence to enter adulthood. No wonder the world is so scary and overwhelming and there's so much anxiety and and depression and that sort of thing. They haven't accumulated the just the resourcefulness and toughness that every single generation of humans has. They've been denied that. They uh, I used this expression years and years ago and probably will continue. We're creating a nation of veal calves out of an obsession with safety.
5: Your kid is not old enough to be home in the house by themselves until they're 13 on average, according to Americans.
2: And are we talking about for a month or like for when I go out to
5: the grocery store? I think that would mean for like when you go out to the grocery store.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's paranoid. Folks, we become paranoid as a people.
5: Well, right. There's the there's the that end of it, and also the end of. And I, I've noticed this recently, so I've been working really hard to get more of this going. The um, giving them that level of responsibility and decision making is it's just it's it's immediately evident to me. And then, of course, if you think about it for a second, it's pretty obvious. You know, there's decisions to be made. You leave your kid alone at whatever age you think it's appropriate. It's interesting to find that in the, in the uh, state of California, there is no age limit which is pretty surprising for a nanny state i have a guess that it's because of the number of immigrant families that wouldn't be able to afford the child care and so they don't want to have any laws on that that'd be my guess because california is way too much of a nanny state to leave it up to parents it's parents discretion whatever age you think it's appropriate for your kid to be alone you're allowed to leave them alone which is what i think it ought to be um because kids vary I uh, I have one kid that I would leave alone easily. I have one kid that no freaking way. Um <laughs> just you know, it's personalities. But um 13 seems pretty old.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, and and the other thing that bothers me I've talked about this many times is all uh, everything kids do all day long is supervised. It's run by adults. They're given the rules. The rules are enforced by the adults, and they don't develop the. And it's if you've never witnessed it, well, I think we all have witnessed it. Kids who invent their own rules, I- invent how to enforce them, invent uh, sanctions for them, work out disagreements or don't work out disagreements. Uh, they uh, they see the clashing of personalities. They figure out which personalities they'd like to work with and play with in the future. And which they would not, and and the reasons behind that. The complexity and and just the 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 depth of the lessons kids learn through unstructured play is enormous. And and I don't even have the capacity to truly understand how enormous it is. And I'm telling you, it's enormous. And yet we're denying that to kids. In, in this incredibly misplaced and unwise effort to give them some sort of idyllic childhood, always in organized activities in uniforms. It's just insane. It's abuse. Getting back to the article,
5: and each one of these things is a fodder for a long discussion if we wanted to. They believe that it started in the United States in the 80s and 90s with the uh, a tremendous amount of attention child abductions got. And as horrible as each and every one of those are, they, they always have been and continue to be very, very rare. But the amount of media coverage that they got exploded during the 80s and 90s because people clicked on it or watched the shows about it. They, they think that played a role. Poorly defined child neglect laws also play a role. Many parents have told me, the author of this story, that they want to give their kids more freedom, but worry that if they let their nine-year-old go to the park alone, for example, they might wind up getting a call from a child, from child protective services, and then they link too many examples of have, that having happened around America. That's the cultural aspect. I, I've, I've felt that before, that I'd be okay with them doing that, but none of the other parents are, and I don't want them to look at me like I'm a crazy person. So that's that. That's the whole cultural aspect of it. Um, uh, others might argue that there's not much downside to being extra cautious, but research s- suggests something more complicated. Yeah, research and common sense to my mind. Uh, Journal of Family Psychology found that too much parental involvement leads to worse self-regulation among kindergartners. Jesus, as early as five. And the Atlantic, Derek Thompson argued that part of the reason American teenagers are so anxious is that their bubble-wrapped childhoods can leave them without a sense of competence. Yes, that's exactly – I got off my uh, train of thought earlier. You you leave your kid alone, and they – all of a sudden, the second you close the door, they have to go into decision-making mode. There's Mm -hmm. no getting around it. Boy, there's a whole bunch of things I could do. There's things I'd like to do. I probably better not do those. I'd like to, but here's what could happen if I decide to, you know, whatever it is. Um eat a whole bag of candy or, you know, whatever does I decide I want, you know, but you're going to have to make decisions from the second your parents close the door. And that is good for us. And it's been proven over and over again.
2: Can I offer uh, this is the sort of thing that if we really wanted to be manipulative, I would I would say I'm going to give you three words. So powerful as a parent, they are practically a magical incantation out of Harry Potter. I'll tell you what those are after this, except I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you what they are right now, because I like you and you like me. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, there were ups and downs raising my kids. Um, There were ups and downs with their adulthood. I made mistakes. I'm not a perfect parent by any means, but I love them intensely, and I thought constantly about how to give them the best childhood, yielding the best adult. I read a tremendous amount about it. I'm I'm a layman. I'm not an expert, but I'm a real world guy. So, you give your kids freedom. You give them, whether it's an errand to the grocery store or leave them at home alone or as they're going out at teenagers, the three magic words are as they go off, you say to them, make good decisions. Those words have so much more weight than you might think just hearing them. That's not an admonition. Well, it is an admonition to make good decisions, obviously. It is a giant message that I think you are capable of making good decisions. I am empowering you to make your own decisions. By the way, I'm going to be around, and maybe you and I are going to discuss how good your decisions are, mm. but they're your decisions. Pilot your own ship. Kids swell with pride, and they want desperately to make good decisions when you give them that freedom it's not depending obviously uh, according to their capabilities as individuals you've got to appraise that in a smart way sure this isn't going to be true for my kids already but i know people
5: who i could easily see how their kids could get to teenagerdom or later before they ever make their first decision right you could get to like 15
2: before you ever make your first decision that's not good put them in a little cage like a veal calf well no wonder
5: you're anxious if you're 15 years old and you've never had to make a decision no kidding and and you're under the influence that it's just it's beyond me it's it's something i'm not capable of and very very dangerous We got this text, age 13, Oregon has a law saying a child cannot be left alone until they're 13. I mentioned that in the state of California, it's parents' discretion. I was surprised that they uh, aren't doing the nanny state there. My son is 12. I guarantee you he's okay to be left alone at home. And he was last year, and I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure he was when he was 10. I mean, that's crazy that I couldn't leave my current son alone in the middle of the day while I run
2: an errand. I mean, that's just, that's nuts. That is absolutely shocking. So nannyish. Yikes. We got a couple
5: of texts from people. We actually got quite a few texts, but um, saying this sort of thing. Yeah, it's the childhood abductions. That's one of the things they posited in the New York Times article. That was the 80s and 90s when child abductions were getting so much attention that caused some of this. My kids grew up in the 90s and 2000s, and I knew they should go and do stuff. But I struggled so much with my fear. What is real? Is it worth the risk? How can I live myself? etc.? Somebody pointed out the whole milk carton. Have you seen me thing? While mm-hmm. that was probably a great way to try to find abducted kids, having a picture of a missing kid on every damned milk carton as if, as if it's as likely as not that you get abducted didn't do any of us any good from a anxiety standpoint. And I hear parents say all the time, you know, when this topic comes up, somebody always trying, well, those are different times. You can't do that anymore. And I always want to jump in, but I don't. Well, statistically, it's not really any more dangerous now than it was when we were kids.
2: It's just a fact, but I'm not going to argue with you all. And honestly, if you're talking about the 70s, it's significantly less dangerous. You know, one thing occurs to me, um, and it's the same. I'm sure psychologists have a term for this. Maybe not. Uh, it, it, it's related to a lot of COVID policy and our gripes about COVID policy at this point, that these government officials, having been granted these emergency powers, are loath to give them up because if they give them up and there's a bad result, they will be blamed for them. And I understand if your culture is in a certain place where never letting your 10-year-old go to the park alone is considered normal, But then it dawns on you that, well, wait a minute. No, the kid's more than capable. They've been doing that the entire history of mankind. That's a perfectly fine thing to do. You have made an affirmative move in the direction of less caution. And therefore, you fear being held responsible or you're culpable for if anything bad happens. If you just stick with the mainstream, you can't be accused of that. I think there's a parallel between the two things.
5: Mm, Interesting interesting we're making our kids nuts I mean you cannot argue that kids aren't more nuts than they used to be
6: I'm strong and get
3: it that's not inspiring it's, it's not fair it
0: seems irresponsible
3: it's cold. you
0: know it's not a victory it's a it's a surrender doesn't it's, it's 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 so childish it's so juvenile yeah upper yeah, this is great Wee! <laughs>
5: going to do in a feature maybe i'll do it on twitter or someplace called did you eat worse than me today wow yeah actually my brother might be even better at that to put up against that like take at the end of the day take a look at what he ate and see if anybody ate worse than that but like yesterday mm. here here's what i ate yesterday i had uh well for, i had like through almost four hours of Zoom calls with various doctors and therapists after working and a variety of other things. So it's just constant running around, stressful, pain in the ass stuff. And that is uh, enough to make a person completely insane. <laughs> but anyway, so I just running from one thing to another thing to another thing and having to make major decisions. All this sort of stuff. But so I went through drive through, got four cheeseburgers at McDonald's. And then I went home and washed that down with some chocolate birthday cake. So that was like oh. the major portion of my eating yesterday. Wow, and uh, I just—I I thought, does anybody, especially my age, eating as poorly as me, and how has my body just not stopped?
2: Just said, "All right, if you don't care, we don't care. Drop dead." <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, there's probably somebody out there that can best you, but you know, I'm guessing they're like a 600-pound trucker or something like that. <sighs> I can't be. You know, I, I tell you what, I was thinking of you yesterday. I was fighting through one of those miserable situations. Where the tax guy says you've got to have this form oh. had to do with a health savings account. Oh. oh, and the benefits people at the one of the fabulous and uh, patriotic American corporations that we're associated <laughs> with. <laughs> Theoretically, they have this form. Theoretically, right. but you got to get signed in. I sign in to accounts that have that same user ID every day, every day. But apparently, for this sub account. That user, that uh, password does not count. So it was a back and forth with benefits and HR with various, uh, double authenticated sign in codes and the rest of it. And it was my, my brilliant wife, myself. My iPhone, my iPad, and my MacBook, all involved in it all fronts. It's like a Mike Lyons is always talking about how you have to have the infantry and air support and artillery and tanks and logistics to, to, to win the war of getting this effing form. And I thought, there you are trying to deal with the fellas, and I salute you, uh, you scrambling parents everywhere. You it's know, not easy. You know,
5: yeah, god dang it. It's like I mentioned the other day about trying to get my son on the hot lunch. He finally wants to eat the hot lunch, and it's a different website that uses a different login, that has a different password, that is a Of no. course it has a different <laughs> login, because you can't have
2: the Russians stealing the secrets of our fish stack.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm surprised nobody's made the argument. Maybe I'll do this, because maybe it would help, that this has got to be a special. Actually, tough on people with lesser education and lesser resources—people that don't have iPads and iPhones and college degrees and everything like that. How are they supposed to navigate this crap to take advantage of you know your various wow. things that you can do
2: in the modern world? You gotta throw in people of color if you, you don't, go. you're a fool. <laughs> Whatever it would take to try to streamline this stuff. Our native peoples have been shown to have seventy eight percent more trouble finding their yes. password yes. than white people. Throw yes. that in;
5: nobody will
0: check it. Yes. Nobody checks any of this crap. I There's no data behind. Love any of it.
5: that angle. I'm going to start yes. working that angle to see if I can get things fixed.